We're actually going to be in Isaiah, mainly. But let's start in John chapter 4. Now, we're all aware that in the Old Testament that the Jews were the chosen people of God. All of what we have in the Old Testament, you know, you look at, at Abraham, Abraham, uh, and, and Isaac, and Jacob, and down through the lineage, uh, you had the birth of the, of the Jewish nation. You had Moses bringing the law. And Moses, you know, all the, the oracles of God, the statutes and the judgments, are given to this man, Moses, who was a Jew. And that's given to him to give to this nation, those that were called out, those who were to be a light to the Gentile nations, given to them as the chosen people of God. Now, in the New Testament, and we're going to look at a couple verses in a minute here, from Isaiah, dealing with the Gentiles. You know, we, I really don't think that the impact of this relationship we have with the Lord, the impact of that really reaches us sometimes. Because in the Old Testament, for the most part, the Gentiles were excluded. The Gentile nations were excluded from the promise of God. You see the Lord reaching out in a few instances, for example, with Rahab, um, with Ruth, Gentile, um, with Bathsheba, Gentile. But for the most part, salvation was mainly with you know, God's chosen, the Jewish people. And then when you come closer and closer to the New Testament, and when Jesus comes on the scene, the Jews had this idea of exclusivism where they were the only ones and that's it and and they would not deal with the gentiles and they wanted nothing at all to do with them and jesus comes on the scene and we know that he deals with the scribes and the pharisees and so forth and then paul comes on the scene and paul preaches and he, he ministers to the Jews. And in one instance, I'll read it from Acts 13. He's, he's preaching to the Jews on the Sabbath day. They, they, all, they all came out. They want to hear what this man has to say, Paul and Barnabas. And so Paul begins to minister and to preach. And uh, let me see here. After he ministers for a short, short period of time, the Jews are rejecting him. And I wanted to find this other scripture. I don't know where it is here. Oh, here it is. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, they rejected him. Paul. Listen to what the Gentiles, this, this says of the, of the Gentiles. It says, the Gentiles begged, they begged, that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They begged. They wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear what was exclusively for the Jews that now Paul was saying is also for the Gentiles. Now, is anybody here a Jew by birth? 
Anybody? Not one hand. That's quite interesting. But this is what Paul says. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, meaning the Jews. But since you rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. See, so it was not always that way. See, we have this opportunity today to come in to this place where the Gentiles never, ever have been. And by and large, uh, the Gentiles comprise the majority of the church today. There are some, what they call completed Jews, they come to Christ. But the number of them is very small. Mainly now, you have the, uh, the Gentiles. And let me read a couple more verses here, if I can find them. But Israel pursued the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. And listen to this. This, this is dealing with, uh, the, the, um, the illustration is this fig tree. And if some of the branches were broken off, this is Paul speaking, He's speaking to the Gentiles. And you, being a wild olive tree. The Gentiles were the wild olive tree, and the Jews wanted nothing to do with them. So he says that you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partakers of the root. The root being the Father, the root being Christ. And of the fatness of of the olive tree. What is the fatness of the olive tree? See, we have available to us the fatness of this olive tree, meaning, I believe, that it says in Ephesians that we were all aliens from the commonwealth of, of Israel. The commonwealth of Israel is what you read here in the Old Testament. All these prophets and kings and all those Godly people, all the ones we talk about, all the ones we read about. That is a, a commonwealth of Israel, not commonwealth of the Gentiles. See? The commonwealth of Israel. But through Jesus Christ, this is amazing, amazing, amazing. Through Jesus Christ, we who were afar off have met, been made near by the blood of the Lord. And John quotes this scripture from Hosea where he says that those who were not my people, they were, they were not called my people, will be my people and will be called my people. He's speaking of the Gentiles. We were not his people, none of us. None of our roots, none of them were of the Jewish Root. See, where did the word Jew come from? Can anybody tell me? The word Jew comes from the word Judah. And Judah was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. See, we were not from that lineage. See, by all rights, we, we, our lineage could have continued on outside of this whole thing 
for years and years and years and generation after generation. But because of Jesus Christ, he has done something for us that sometimes we're not aware of and we don't appreciate. He has brought us in and he has taken this wild olive branch, you and I, and he has grafted that in in the place of where the Jews were, the chosen people. Paul says, don't boast, because remember, the root bears you. You don't bear the root. You can be cut off. If you don't you know, walk where you're, where, to, where you're to walk, you can be cut off also. Now, in John 4, you're going to have to just get your Bibles out and walk with me through these scriptures. Don't just listen to me. Now, I said all that to be a backdrop for what's going on in John 4. In John 4, now we, we call this the woman at the well. But this is actually a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman at the well. And there is something about the Samaritans I want to show you in a minute here. In John 4, verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, to Jesus, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. But why was that? Well, I'll give you a little history. You, just be patient with me. After the death of Solomon... The kingdom was split into the northern kingdom of Israel, ten tribes, and the southern king, kingdom of Judah, two tribes. Now, the northern kingdom, none of the kings were godly kings. King after king after king were ungodly. And this went on for many, 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 many years. And what happened was there, it was prophesied that they would be judged. And so the Assyrians come in and they take... They invade Jerusalem, and they take the people. But they don't take all the people. They take the wealthy people, the educated people, people that have money and, and possessions, what have you. They take them back to Syria or Assyria with them. And then they, they bring others and plant them in that area where they took the Jews from. So now you have a mixture there in this region called Samaria in the Bible, Jesus. And so because of the mixture, because of the intermarriages, the Jews had nothing to do with any of the Samaritans. They wouldn't go near them. They wouldn't talk to them. They wouldn't say hi to them. You know, they just totally ignored them. See, because they are the chosen people, the Jews, and they're the Samaritans, they're, you know, have mixed marriages and, and all this. So, this woman says to Jesus, you know, why are you even talking to me? Because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So you go on here in the discourse, verse 9. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, oh, we just read that, okay. Verse 22. Well, verse 14. He tells her... Um, 
But whosoever drinks of the water that I give her shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become a fountain of, of living water in him, springing up to everlasting life. Now, verse 22, you worship, Jesus says this, you worship what you do not know, speaking to the Gentiles or the mixed. We know what we worship for, Jesus says this, for salvation is of the Jews. Jesus said that. Salvation is of the Jews. Verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So they marveled that Jesus was talking to this Samaritan woman because she was not a Jew. She was not a Jew. Now, in the book of Ezra, I'm going to give you a little history here as we're going. Then we'll get to Isaiah. In the book of Ezra, you have the Jews who were in captivity in Babylon they want to go back to the land, and one of the kings there, you had, you had th three, the three points they allowed them to go back. One was with um, Zerubbabel, I believe his name was. Another one was uh, with Ezra, and another one was with Nehemiah, three times, three waves. Okay, the first one Zerubbabel went back and started building the temple. And when he starts building and repairing, those that were there living come up to him and they say, hey, let us work with you. Let us work together to build the wall, to build the temple, because we worship the same God you do. And they said, no, we don't want you know, any dealings with you. We don't want you involved with this work. We will do it. And they, by the way, were Samaritans. So there was this friction there between the Jews and the Gentiles always. Them being the chosen, the, the Gentiles not being. Now Paul comes along, and Paul says, who is a Jew? Now, Paul was a Jew, right? Do you know that almost every writer, almost every writer in the Bible that we read were Jewish? Do you understand that? Do you understand what I'm getting at here? That we are so blessed by God that we live in the time of the Gentiles, as the Bible says. And the time of the Gentiles is a time when those who were not Jews by birth could come in and could experience this wondrous salvation, this wonderful plan, this wonderful spirit of the living God who comes upon his people, that we could experience that very thing. And Paul comes along and he says, Paul being a Jew, he that is a Jew is not one who is a Jew outwardly,
But he that is a Jew is a Jew who is one inwardly, not the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart. So whenever you responded to the gospel, in, in the terms of what Paul is saying, there was a cutting or a circumcision in your heart to where now God, who made a covenant with Noah, who made a covenant with, with Abraham, who made covenant in the Old Testament, that same God comes and makes a covenant with you, saves your soul, and starts to work in your life and, and brings all these tremendous blessings upon you. Upon you. Sometimes I, I just think about it and I say, Lord, you know, to me, sometimes I think we don't really think about things. We just go about our merry way and, you know, do our thing. And we don't stop and, and meditate on the word. We don't stop and think about the Lord. But sometimes I think about these things and, you know, it, it's overwhelming if you can understand what has happened here to where now we had no part in this. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Aliens. Foreigners. But now we become partakers of the life of Christ. Become partakers of the life of God. Partakers of that. See, this isn't about religion. It's not just about you know, church and all that. See, it's the life of God. The life of God. To me, you know, who am I? Who am I? The Lord would choose me. I, I don't get it. I really don't. You know, I mean, I, I see some things about it, but still, I mean, who am I? I'm no one. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I should, should be like way, 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 way back there. And, and it's overwhelming to know the Lord touched my life, touched my life, changed my life. Who am I? You know, why was I counted worthy? I don't know. It's, it's amazing. Turn to Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11 is prophesying of the coming Messiah. And some of the, the first, I don't know, four or five verses in Isaiah, we're going to read them. This is going to show some of the spiritual characteristics of this Messiah. Remember, the Jews waited for a Messiah and still wait for the Messiah today. They still wait. They still studied the Old Testament. You know that, right? They still pick it up and read it and study it and, and, and so forth. So they're still looking. Because they rejected Christ, who was the Messiah, that left an opening now. In other words, the, the Lord cut that branch off and he put the Gentiles there for a time. The time of the Gentiles. But here is going to describe, uh, to, to some degree here, the spiritual character of this one who is the Messiah who's going to come. 
there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Who is Jesse? See, Jesse was David's father. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, meaning, meaning the Messiah, meaning Jesus. And remember, whenever John the Baptist baptized Jesus, Jesus, it says that he saw the Spirit descending as a dove and resting upon Jesus. See, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. He saw that, and, and that was a, spirit, a thing he saw in spirit. Probably no one else around saw that. It was a, a spirit rested upon him, and it wasn't just one initial thing there. The Spirit of God rested upon Jesus throughout his ministry. When he walked the streets of Galilee and, and wherever else he went, the Spirit of God was upon him. The Spirit of the Lord, verse 2, shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. That is why, when you read some of these things, that is why we have to go to Jesus because, see, we don't have the wisdom and understanding even for our own little lives. My little puny little life, I can't, I don't have enough wisdom sometimes to know what's what. That's why we must go to him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by sight, the sight of his eyes. So he's not going to judge after the natural. That's, that's a characteristic that you saw moving in the Lord. <clears throat> Nor decide by the hearing of the ears. In other words, the things he heard in the natural. He's not going to base the things he did on what he hears in the natural. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. So this is a description of some of the characteristics that will be seen in this Messiah, this Jesus, as he's walking along in the streets of Jerusalem and out in the countryside, these different things are going to be there. You know, Isaiah sees that. Isaiah uh, prophesies about that. And Isaiah is talking here, and this is, this is quite something. He's, he's talking about the Jewish Messiah coming. But, as we're going to see, the setting there when Jesus came was exclusivism. Here's the Jews. The Gentiles are there. The Samaritans are there. You know, they're out there. Salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. They're the ones who, you know, had the oracles of the Lord given to them, which was a great advantage. Let's turn to Isaiah 60. Now, Isaiah 60, we're going to look at some verses here. And Isaiah 60 and Isaiah 61 
are, are linked together, I believe. And they're, they're talking about Jesus. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Now, to give you just a background here, just for this chapter, it's dealing with here in these verses the age of the gathering of whosoever will under the coming Messiah. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. So that means you and you and you, all of us. <coughs> and, and he's talking about the, the, the Messiah here in this whosoever will, in the, in the age where he is going to bring something else to earth, to people. Verse 1. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The shining that radiate, that radiates from Jesus Christ through the gospel that he brought, the gospel that he preached. He said, I am the light of the world. So, so this gospel that we have, this gospel... These words that we, we read and, and we maybe memorize and we enjoy reading. See, that is the light that the Lord brought from the Father to all mankind. The Jews first, then also the Gentiles. So arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of the Lord... Uh, was risen in Jerusalem and in that area as he walked about and ministered to people, as he walked about giving the words of the Father, by being the expression of the Father, he displays the glory of God. And that glory was manifest where he went and in the words he uh, spoke, of course, to those who heard, that, uh, to those who heard, heard, those who responded, or to those who had a heart to know, to see, and to experience the, the real Messiah that's going to come, as, as, they, as they had said in Isaiah here, the one to come. So he's, he's talking about what is going to take place, Isaiah prophesies and sees, that the glory of the Lord, the light is going to come and, and dwell among the people. Verse 2. <clears throat> For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Now that is descriptive of man's heart and man's life apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Darkness is upon the face of individuals' hearts. You go out in the world. You go maybe at work, wherever. Maybe in your neighborhood. And you run into people. And you see that the darkness there is covering their earth, their heart, their life. And there's only one thing... One thing 
that can change the darkness that covers the heart of man, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that we, we have been blessed to receive. It's just, Lord, Lord, we don't know what's been committed to our hands. We don't know. We take it as a light thing sometimes. Here's what it says when Jesus entered his ministry. It says this. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, the light has dawned. The light has dawned. Wow. Now, read with me here. Verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light. Speaking, I believe, of the Jewish church. They will come. So Isaiah prophesied, and Isaiah saw that there was going to be a time that even though the Jews thought that salvation was for them, and, and if you don't you know, adhere to this system... This mosaic system, you have no salvation. Now the light is going to dawn and the Gentiles are going to come in. The Gentiles are, this is going to be available to the Gentiles who were excluded completely for the most part. Are, are you seeing something? Are you seeing that you are more special to the Lord than you think? The Lord came and he died for you. You are special to him. He has worked and done things in your heart and life that, you know, he could have passed you by. He could have passed me by. He could have said, they're Gentiles. And salvation is of the Jews, like Jesus did. He could have. But Isaiah sees something. And prophesies and says it. The Gentiles are going to come. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes. <clears throat> Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. I believe he's still talking about the Gentiles. The Gentiles have gathered together. In Acts they begged to hear the words that we take for granted. We take this for granted. And there's the Gentiles in, in Israel at the time. And they're begging, begging, please, please, please. How many of you come to church and say, please, Lord, let me hear a message today? Something to touch my heart and life. See, we, we take a lot of things, I believe, for granted. We take our Christianity for granted. We don't know. We don't understand how blessed we really are. We could still be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We could still be far away from God. We take it for granted. We take our walk for granted. We take the scriptures for granted. I'm trying, the reason I'm saying this is I'm trying to, to get you somehow to see 
this great privilege that we have today to be called a Jew in heart. We once were Gentiles according to the flesh, but now we are Jews at heart because we have been circumcised in heart or we have come to Jesus Christ and we are in him. We have been placed in Christ. We have been placed in him in whom you have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Verse 5. Or let's go back there. Your son shall come from afar. You see that? Are you still following me? He's telling them that your sons will come from afar. The ones that were far off, the Gentiles, they're going to come. And they're going to take up that which was uh, given to the Jews and the Gentiles, or you can say the church, the, the modern-day Christians included, are going to take this up, and now they're going to take it, and they're going to be responsible for it, and they're going to bring it. And your son shall, shall be nursed at your side, and you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy because of the abundance of the sea. And the sea here, as, as you read this in various places, like in Revelation, the sea is dealing with humanity, not the sea. See. And the sea, the people, shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. So, so there is a wealth that God places now in the hands of Christians. There's a wealth there. And I, I shared this Wednesday. You here in this church, almost every single person, has more understanding, has more Bible knowledge, has heard more as far as the Scriptures than a lot of people who are on the mission field or in other countries pastoring. And, uh, and I, I know that's a fact. When I was in Guatemala, we ministered to pastors. And some of the pastors knew practically nothing. They got saved, their families got saved, and they're, they're put in, in a position where they have to shepherd some people and they have, they're scrambling and they're trying to learn things from the Bible, so the basic things to help these people. And there isn't a person here that we couldn't take and put in that position, if you understand what I'm saying. It, because you know, you hear, you have the opportunity, you have the preaching, the, te the teaching, and all that. So the Lord has put a wealth here in the life of Christians. A wealth. It used to be the commonwealth of Israel, exclusively, pretty much. But now, there has been a redistribution of wealth, if you will. You want to say it that way? Verse 10. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls. The sons of foreigners. He's talking about the Gentiles. Why would they do that? Because they're going to come in. They're going to be redeemed. They're going to experience salvation. They're going to build up your walls. 
Now go to Isaiah 61. I'm going to read something from Ephesians here. Ephesians 3. Now stay with me because I'm, I'm, I'm building up to something here. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge, this is Paul, in the mystery of Christ, which, listen, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. This is talking about this mystery. As it has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That, this is the mystery. This mystery was hidden to the Jewish people. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So this was a mystery to them. That is why whenever Jesus was talking to the Samaritans or whenever he, he dealt with some of the uh, people who weren't Jews, they, they couldn't get past that. They had a rough time with that. That's why they couldn't receive Paul. They couldn't get past, you know, that the Gentiles could, could actually be joint heirs with Christ, with salvation, and experience this salvation that they knew. They, they couldn't understand it. Now, Isaiah 61. This is primarily, and I say primarily, dealing with Jesus. There's other application that we're going to look at in a minute. But this is primarily dealing with Jesus. And whenever we read these verse, verses, this is going to say to us, or what Isaiah, I believe, is saying or displaying is the results of this Messiah that's going to come, that, that there would be these glorious results from Jesus coming and preaching the gospel. And so in verse 1 it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. See, aren't you glad that the good tidings of the gospel came and were preached to you? So you were poor spiritually. You had nothing spiritually. I personally was bankrupt spiritually. I had no satisfaction in my life. I hated my life. I hated the way things were going. And I was miserable at times. That's, that was later on, right before I came to the Lord. But see, somebody came and preached the gospel to me, to the poor. To preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So maybe some of you were brokenhearted before you came to Christ. Or maybe something happens in your life now and you're brokenhearted. It's the same Jesus. He can heal you before, he can heal you now. He can heal the brokenhearted. That's what he does. And to proclaim liberty to the captives. Do you know... Uh, 
I have a verse here I'm going to read, a couple verses. When it says here that he's going to proclaim liberty to the captives, captives and he's, he's going to, talks about the um, acceptable year of the Lord here somewhere. Proclaim liberty to the captives and open the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim, verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. There was this year of jubilee in the Old Testament. And every 50 years, they would come and they would have the rights if they had to sell their property because they were poor. Because they, they couldn't live there. They were poor and, and they didn't have the means to keep it. And they would have to sell their property. Or if they were so poor they couldn't make it and they decide to become a slave to someone else and, and they were slaves, every 50 years in the law was, was the year of liberty. They could, th th this year was uh, the year of jubilee where all property that was sold for those reasons would, would revert back to that person, the person that, that had it originally, and all the slaves were set free. They, they just were, were allowed to go. And that is a type of what Jesus did when he came. He would pre he's going to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He's going to preach and teach, and he did, that, that he, this is the year of jubilee, so that there is this freedom that's going to well up in whoever will. Whoever will, will respond to the gospel, whoever will respond to him, this, this jubilee, this, this freedom is going to well up, and now their lives are going to be changed, and they will no longer be in the bondage of slavery. They will no longer be held uh, by that which before had kept them down. That, that, that's the, the freedom that's going to be. He's going to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So these are all things that are said that Christ would do. And the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. And I, I love this. It says, to give them beauty or ashes. You know, that's, that's the hand of the Lord. You, you know, whenever you, you build a fire and you have a wood burner or whatever, and after a few days you have these ashes. The ashes are just there. They, you, know, you take them, what do you do? You take them, you throw them out. There are people whose lives are in, so to speak, ashes. They're, they're just, they're done. And I love this because the Lord can come and touch and he can give them beauty for ashes. Ashes aren't too beautiful, you know, especially if you get them on you, get them on your hands and spill them or whatever. But he can give beauty in the heart for that worthless ashes that are there. That's the Lord we serve. That's the Lord we serve. And he gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I'll tell you what, there are, there are a lot of people today that are heavy, heavy-spirited. 
Now, as I said, Isaiah 61 primarily is dealing with Jesus, talking of Jesus. Secondarily, this also applies to you and I. It applies to the Christian. See, why do you think the Lord baptized you in the Spirit? Why did he bring you into the kingdom? To, oh, to take me to heaven. Well, that's true. That's true. Of course that's true. Well, he, he brought me in so that I could go to church and be a good boy or girl. See, why do you think the Lord has brought you into the kingdom? Remember, Esther said, I think it was Mordecai. Not Mordecai. Yeah, Mordecai said, and, and who shall know if you, you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? Why have you been brought into the kingdom? You know, you think there's no reason or purpose behind that? Now, let's read Isaiah 61 again. Now, we see that it applies to Jesus. Now, you have been <clears throat> birthed from above. If any man be in Christ Jesus. See, when you were birthed from above, you are placed in Christ Jesus. Any man who, who, who is in him, is, is birthed from above is in him. Okay? Now, that which Jesus did is available to you as a Christian if you walk with the Lord and you believe the Lord and trust the Lord, those very things that Jesus did, some of those very things can be done through you, of course, not you meaning yourself, but as you walk with the Lord and as, as you allow the Lord to come out of your life. Verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. See, he can be upon you as a Christian. Because, he, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, that's not necessarily the application. See, when you speak, preaching is speaking. See, you can speak. God has given you and I a mouth. And you can speak on behalf of the Lord. To preach good tidings to the poor. And as I said earlier, there are a lot of people out there that are poor. And I don't mean financially. They're poor. They're bankrupt. They're in bad shape. I'll read a verse from Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. The wilderness and the wasteland is, typifies the heart of man being a wilderness, being a wasteland, being a dry place. And they're looking for a drink of water. They're looking for some water that can, can be you know, brought to them that they could, could soak up and I was thinking about uh, at the funeral last week. I, I knew before I, I went that 
the Lord was going to bring people up. I knew it. And I said, Lord, you know, if you want to use me, I'm available. And he gave me some verses to share with, with I didn't know who. But <clears throat> we went there, and the people came forward. And some of the people that came for salvation in their life, in their heart, it was almost like a wasteland, like a desert. This one individual was just like, you know, he had nothing, nothing as far as the life of God, as far as his life. And we have the, the ability and many times the opportunity to do some of the very things that Jesus did. To preach good tidings to the poor. To proclaim liberty to the captives. So this one individual, uh, afterward I, I talked to him and I said, do you know what just happened? And he shook his head, yes. I said, what just happened? He said, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I could see that in his heart and in his life, the Lord wanted to set him free. And I said to him, are you an addict? And he looked at me and paused. And, you know, when somebody pauses like that and they don't want to answer you, you, you have the answer already. And then he said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? He said, I've been clean for four months. So four months isn't long. Isn't long. I said, the Lord wants to set you free. Totally. And I actually read him this verse. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Was one of the verses I, I read to him. I let him read it right there. Showed him my Bible. And I believe that the Lord touched him. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with the fellow. I may never, ever see him again. But see, there's a scripture. I don't know where it is. Let me see if I can find it. Hold on a second. You know where that, the verse is where it says, uh, how, how will they know unless someone is sent? Ten. I'm in Rome. I knew it was in Romans. I'm in seven. Okay. Listen to this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So, in other words, when you come in contact with people, how is it? How can they call on the name of the Lord when they don't even know to do that? And how shall they believe in him of whom? They have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And as I said, a preacher is someone who speaks. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And Jesus said in Matthew 24 or 26, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And he goes on and he talks about making disciples of, of all nations. Well, you know, the, the apostles at that time, 
did not make disciples of all nations, you know. They, they were only in a limited area of the world. How is that going to be fulfilled today to make disciples of all nations? How are people going to hear that the Lord can set them free? He can set at liberty those who are captive. How are they going to know and how are they going to hear that the Lord can give them beauty for ashes? Now I'm going to finish reading verse 3 in Isaiah 61. And to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. So there's a complete change in the life there. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When we prayed for one individual there at the funeral, there was a heaviness upon her. And, and she asked me, she said, pray for this thing in particular. And she told me. And, and I believe that the power of the Lord was present to heal her on the inside. I believe that. That, this is the reason for it that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. How are others going to hear that they can be delivered, that they can be saved, that they can be given beauty for ashes? How are they going to hear? See, this is what has been committed to us as Christians. The Lord has saved you, and he has put something there in your hand. <coughs> and that is that as the opportunity arises in your life, because, see, everybody's life, you have contact with people. You have contact with people I do not. You have contact with people that someone else here does not. So... The Lord will bring about, about opportunity and he will open the door for you to say a word. For you to, I don't want to say preach because you think preaching is this all the time. This is preaching. Saying. For you to say. For you to give a word. For you to say something to them that can help them out from the heaviness, the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of fear, and all these things that have people bound up. You know, the, the, there's a drug epidemic in this country. It's, we don't really realize it, some of us, because we're sheltered from it. But if you get out there and you talk to people, and you'll find out that you know, a lot of people are on drugs. And by the way, a lot of people have buried their children because of drug, drug addiction or overdose. Alcoholism is a big thing now. How are, how are these people that are hurting? How are these people that are dying? How are these people who are addicted, how are they going to get out of that? How is there ever going to be a change? Is it that we'll just let, leave them go and let them go down uh, to, to hell? See, how will they be delivered? You know how they'll be delivered? 
not by Jesus, if you understand what I'm saying, because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He sent his spirit so that you and I, with the spirit of God in us or on us, however you want to say it, that we could speak a word in season. Now, you know what that means? Do you know what a word in season means? Now, see, when I first became a Christian, I was a, you don't have a lapel, but I was a lapel grabber. And I would just get in people's face, so to speak, and I, I'd force the gospel down their throat if I could. I was so excited about what happened to me that I didn't care. And then it took some years, and there were some results. I probably led about a half a dozen people to the Lord, and people that I worked with, they threatened to throw me out. I had a Bible study going on there, and I was just, and I, I was only a Christian for a few years. I didn't know a whole lot, but I knew enough. I study every night, every night, every night. Learn something. So when I go to a Bible study, like, I could share it. But the Lord had taught me over a period of time that there is a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet. See, so you don't always have an opportunity to say things to people, especially in, in the work environment. You know, some, sometimes you just, it's not really conducive to that. It depends on the type of job you have. But you will find that at a point, the Lord may open up a door. So I was at this one place. I worked there for like nine years. And they opened up another business. And they wanted one of my friends, him and I, to, to go there. And one of the conditions for going there was I wasn't allowed to preach to people. So I said, Lord, I don't want to go because of that. I felt the Lord saying to me, go. He says, to these you'll be a witness to, to these people you're going to be a witness against. I thought, wow, that's pretty heavy. I'm going to be a witness against, against them because they knew. And the whole time I worked there, which wasn't a whole long, uh, long time, I shared the gospel with one person because they were right in front of me and they asked me. But the point is this. How are they going to hear if we don't say something? See, we have to have a heart that if the opportunity arises and somebody says something about you, you know, your Christianity, that, that you, you speak. Uh, and I shared this Wednesday. My mother... She, she would get up every single morning and she would pray before she'd leave the house if she had to go to Walmart or Giant Eagle, anywhere. She didn't care. She'd pray, Lord, send me to somebody today. Send me to somebody that hasn't heard. And then she'd go and she'd, somebody would say something to her and she'd say, she'd say, have a blessed day. I said, what do you mean a blessed day? And then she, there's the door. And she's opening them and she's leading people to the Lord in Giant Eagle. She's leading people to the Lord at Walmart. But see, we don't want to speak. We don't want to say anything. We want to keep our Christianity right here in these four walls. That's Christianity to us. But I'm telling you, God has invested in you being before a Gentile, now a Jew in spirit. He has put 
quite a bit in you and has placed this in our hands. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go out and tell everybody every time you see somebody. But I will say this. You can pray and ask the Lord, Lord, if you want to open a door, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, you know, that's fine. And you'll see. Maybe a neighbor, maybe a relative. You know, who knows? Maybe at a funeral. And the Lord will call upon you. Go up and pray with this person or lead them to the Lord. So the Lord is interested in you speaking good tidings to the poor. He's interested in that. And then people say this, and I hear this once in a while. I, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Well, let me say this to you. If you don't know what, if you have a heart and you want to share the gospel, remember, the gospel is the only thing that's going to help someone on drugs. It's the only thing that's going to help the alcoholic. And I have seen this. There was a man years ago where I grew up, and on the main Broadway, he would, would walk out of the bar and fall on the ground. He was the drunk. I don't care, whenever you went over there, past there, he'd be out, he'd stagger, he'd go up, he'd lay on the sidewalk and what have you. And you had to walk past this bar to get to the bank. We would go to Mellon Bank. And so I guess my mother got annoyed at this one day. So he's laying, and you have to walk around him. And she decides she wasn't walking around him. And she got down, down on the ground and prayed for him, and he sobered up instantly. Led him to the Lord, gave him a track, and from that day forward... He, you could go over there, you never saw that guy in a bar, ever, ever. That's the gospel, and that's the power that's available to you if you want it, and if you will speak when the Lord opens the door. And you say, well, I don't know what to say. I, I wouldn't even know the first thing to say. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If, you, if that's you, you have a desire, you want to speak when the Lord but you don't know what to say, I want to pray for you today. I want you to come forward, and I want to pray for you. That the Lord would give you what it is that you need to say. And I'm going to open the altar right now. If you want to be able to minister to people, now remember this. A lot of times you won't get the response that you're looking for. But sometimes you will. Sometimes you will. But still, the Lord wants those who want him. Those who, who want to speak a word in season of that which he has given to you. The Lord is looking for people. He's looking for former Gentiles that he has committed the gospel to that want the Lord. They want to, to say, Lord, use me, like, like Isaiah said. Lord, Lord says, who is going to go for us? And Isaiah says, 
Here am I, Lord, send me. Who is going to reach maybe someone where you work or your neighbor or whomever? Maybe a friend. Maybe no one but you. So the Lord might say, okay, and, and this happens, um, where you don't hear from someone for maybe years. And you say, Lord, I really want to, to be used by you and have someone, uh, Lord, that needs you, that needs delivered, you know, that I would be used to do that. And lo and behold, this person you haven't heard hide or hair of for five years or whatever calls you on the phone or you run into them somewhere. Well, see, that's the very opportunity the Lord brings about many times. So if, if you want to come today, the Lord's not going to force anyone. But I'm saying it's not, it, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus said, I will send you the comforter. He's going to comfort you. I'm going to send someone to lead you and guide you, Holy Spirit. He will lead you and guide you. And he will give you what you need to give others. See, I don't know about you, but I want to make a difference and I want to be used to touch people's lives, period. Be it pray for someone, lead someone to the Lord, whatever it may be. I want to be used by God that I would be one that God could say, okay, I'm going to send him to touch this individual. It's not about church. It's not about coming to church. Do you want to be used by God? I realize my time here on this earth is, is winding down. I don't know how many more years I have left. But I knew to know one thing. I have prayed to the Lord and I've asked him over the years, Lord, whatever it is that you, know, you can use me to do, do. And he's used me to teach. And, and that's, that's good because that's an investment in other people's lives. Uh, he's used me to let, lead people to the Lord. See, he can use you to lead people to the Lord. He can use you to deliver someone who's captive to something. They're bound to alcohol, drugs, whatever. But he's looking for someone who, who will go for him. He's looking for someone who will go for him.